come with me. We're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon Beanie, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Cruising. I am Matt. And I'm Kimbra. And how is everybody doing out there? I always say that and then I'm like, they can't, they can't answer me. Yeah, but if you don't say it, then somebody's going to be like, hey, why didn't he say that? I don't always say it, though. Now they're going to be like, oh, how many times did he not say that? I don't know. Anyway. Now it's a challenge. <laughs> it's a game. Tell us. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we have a special guest we're going to have on here in just a little bit, an interview with Richard Yutz, who is, uh, one, him and his wife work at the Tampa port. So they are people you might see if you are cruising when you're getting on or off the ship. Um, And also Richard is a scuba diver of 50 years. So we're going to get to that interview in just a bit. But speaking of scuba diving, I got a new scuba certification this week. I got a new scuba certification this week. Well, how about that? It's, it's like we did it together. It's because we did. So uh, basically, we got what is called a nitrox specialty certification. So that means that uh, it doesn't mean that we're diving on nitrous oxide. So don't don't think we're on the silly gas. I think that's a silly gas, right? I maybe. I'm pretty I sure know. it is. I'm pretty sure it is. But that's not what it is. Nitrox is a mixture of... Uh, of compressed air that you breathe, but instead of the normal 21% oxygen that we typically have all over the planet Earth, well, most places on planet Earth, you raise the level of oxygen. And uh, it could be different percentages, up to 40% for what we are certified for. And what that does is it allows you, as a scuba diver, to stay underwater longer at certain depths. And it also decreases the amount of time that you um, have to wait between dives and th- and that kind of stuff. So so basically it means more diving. Yeah. And supposedly some people claim and some people deny this that you feel really good after diving on it. Not like, you know, like, whoa, I feel really good, man. Just like when you go scuba diving normally, it's a pretty exhaustive process. So you get done diving and a lot of people get kind of sleepy. I do. So you get hungry, you get sleepy, and sometimes it just takes a lot out of you. But because you're breathing a higher oxygen level, I guess it's supposed to kind of give you more energy. Sometimes you end up more energized after the dive, according to some. And some people say, no, that doesn't happen to me at all. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see how it affects us. Yeah. Anyway, let's get on with our interview with Richard. Here we go. Hey, Richard, how's it going? Good, good. How about you guys? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Doing good. Yeah. Richard, tell everybody what exactly you do at the port, because I, I know what you do, but uh, our listeners may not. Here's what we do at the port. We're not really stuck on doing any one job. Let's just do a scenario. We don't, some of us work from, you know, 630 in the morning all the way till three, four in the afternoon. What happens is you'll ha- you might get an early assignment and you'll work the baggage hall. It's when the ship is debarking. You guys are docking at the terminal. You'll see the guys in the white shirts and the ties out there. We're the people that herd you down the escalators, down the elevators, through customs. Uh, we check the baggage in the baggage hall, make sure they have tags on. If they don't have a tag, they go to the aisle and the lost toys. Uh, uh, you know, we've seen luggage football down in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. I mean, everybody, oh, what kind of baggage should I get? Don't get those four-wheelers. I've seen more wheels snapped off. Oh. And we're just not big soft-side fans. I mean, hard-side fans, because we've seen it. Just imagine, you see it at the port there. They stack about a ton of luggage on top of your bag. We've seen them squished at the sides, deflected out. Soft-side's got given. 
But anyway, we will keep working, getting people off the ship. Luggage comes off. Luggage starts coming off as soon as they start coming off. Self-assist. That takes forever. Everybody wants to take their bags off quick. That takes forever because there's really not that much luggage in the luggage hall, believe it or not. So anyway, what happens is once we get zero count, we have to have zero count. We'll get a message on the radio, zero count. That means the ship's empty, everybody's off. Then on board, they do a little bit of a turnaround, and then, then it's time to start boarding when they say, okay, we're ready to take on board. What we do then is we might go upstairs. There's people that work outside. That's where I saw you the one time, on yeah. the escalator. I might work the escalator. I might work the line. I might be in front of security. I'll be inside doing directional work, or I'll be on the other side of the desk saying, "Welcome to Carnival. Uh, can I have your documents, please?" <laughs> uh, you know, and and you have to ask questions. You have to have documentation. So, but but basically that's it. It's about the same thing for each cruise line. Some stuff different. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this is make sure you have the right documentation for your cruise because we had a person over at NCL that brought the wrong documentation and they turned them away. We lost $6,000. Oh, wow. Ouch. Yeah. So it, and it's up to you as a cruiser. Now, this is the TA because Pam's actually a travel agent, but, but uh, make sure you know that particular cruise was stopping in the Panama Canal. Now, and that's stopping at the canal, but it was doing a partial transit. But it was stopping in uh, Columbia. You had to have a passport book, not a card. Oh. And the guy brought a card. And, you know, just because, well, Kimber told me on Facebook that it was okay <laughs> to bring. No, Facebook, uh, uh, another onus there is, you know, it's great information out there. You, Tony, whatever, you know, there's a whole bunch of wealth information. If you're not sure, call the cruise line. Get a name, get a number, get an email, document it, document, document. Don't come yeah. up to me and say, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah, please Facebook don't. Center. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, and that's good advice. Like, yeah, I mean, get, you know, you can get a lot of great tips and stuff from, from cruise groups and everything, but ultimately you are the responsible party for your cruise. You need to be checking with the cruise line and making sure that all your ducks are in a row because things, things can change. Your cruise Absolutely. may be different, a different scenario than, than one that yeah. most people have been on. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's really good advice. Let, let me ask you this. Since you see people coming and going, so to speak, uh, do you see a big difference in the, the attitudes? And the, like, is there a big change from the people getting off the ship to the people getting on the ship? Or I've, Well, getting on, the, getting on the ship, I've had people stand there and shake. Uh, they're so excited. Uh, they're standing there holding their paperwork and they're shaking and, <laughs> and, and it's like, sitting just calm down. We'll get you on. Uh, you know, uh, some people just, well, here's another aspect of it too. I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to listen to you. We have those. They come up there. Can I see your boarding pass, please? Oh, what do you need to see it for? Oh, I need to see your boarding pass. Uh, you got to have it when you go uh, check in for documentation. No, uh, I'll take care of it up there. So, there's there's a whole different scenario for for everybody. It's uh, uh oh I forgot my paperwork and here's another one just a, a lesson guys is and this has happened is do not I repeat do not put your documents in your check in luggage oh, no. right and check it in it has happened and then and you're, they're well, stuck like they're not going to be able to get those bags well, back right. If we catch him early, yeah, like Pam said, it's, it, it happens literally every cruise, every cruise. So it's like, it's not, it's not something that just happens every so often. Oh, I forgot my documents in your Uber. Glue them to you, tape them to you, whatever you got to do. We people, I forgot my phone in the car. I forgot my documents in the car. Uh, you know, there's always stuff. Glue them to you. I forgot him at home. Some guy left his documents in Orlando. He hired a taxi. At, uh, he left them in his hotel room in Orlando. He hired a taxi, called a hotel, and the documents barely got there, but they oh, did wow. get there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's some wild stuff that happens there. Uh, you know, usually 
uh, getting on, it's everybody's excited. They're antsy to get on board. Uh, you know, then we have the I'm priority. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Each each cruise line's different. How they manage priority. Carnival's pretty simple. Royal's a little bit more innate. They got a couple different levels. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, unfortunately, Terminal Three is the only one that outside that they really have a priority check-in, which you know they're fascinated with them. Up at Terminal Six, down at Terminal Two, they're not set up. Their priority kicks in as soon as you get in the door, but not outside. So, you know, huh. some people get upset, but it is, it is what it is. Get, <laughs> yeah, after security. And then they bring these big bags. You know, they look like steamer trunks. Sir, it, 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 that's not going to fit. <laughs> yeah, well, and I see them come back out, and I said, what did I tell you? I told you it wasn't going to fit. So, you know, it has to fit through the scanner. Getting off the ship, usually people are pretty bummed out or they're tired. Uh, they partied the night before. Uh, uh, trying to find their bags is another issue. Uh, you know, especially over at Terminal Two, we had one guy. Uh, he couldn't find his bags, and I thought I knew all the swear words in the dictionary. <laughs> I, I learned some new ones. Uh, he finally got to the point that, well, I took him over to my supervisor, and she escorted him outside. Handed him over to the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office and sit outside <laughs> and said, keep this guy out here. I'll let you know when he can come back in. I mean, it was bad. There's people that have absolutely lost it. Uh, yeah. And there's people that uh, came off in bathrobes and flip-flops. Uh, yeah. I, I, I shouldn't. I should be surprised by this, but part of me is not actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> actually, it's happened quite a few times. I've, we've seen it where uh, some young ladies came off in bathrobes and flip flops, and unfortunately, they put their luggage out the night before, but they put all their clothes in the luggage. Oh, yeah. Whoops. So guess what? They had to buy the buy. They had to buy the, and it was on Carnival. They had to buy the uh, robes. And then Carnival supplied them the flip-flops. But huh. that's how they came off the ship. So, you know. We do a lot of cruise tips. I never even thought about it at that level. But that uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, I'm telling you, it's happening. <laughs> I mean, uh, sodas, uh, you know, that especially with, car you know, each cruise line's different. Sodas, right. Carnival, you know, I have to laugh when I'm working the escalator. You know, they got 14, you know, it's like, the, it's like, God, Guys, you can't carry four of those up in both. You know, it, it's not happening. Uh, you know, people don't, especially now, they won't want to touch the handrail on the escalator, which it's dirty. Yes, it is. They keep it clean, but... Uh, what the hand sanitizer's for. Yeah, but people, I don't want to touch it. Okay, you don't. I'm just telling you. I just have to, I have to stand at the escalator and say, please hold on the escalator. Matt, please turn around. Right. You know, <laughs> Canberra, turn around, please. Uh, you know, watch your step, watch your step. Say that for two hours. Watch your step, please watch your step. Uh, but, you know, it's fun. If you notice there, it's a lot of um, seniors working there. If you notice over at Norwegian Royal, uh, it's basically, it's almost like a retiree's job or some kids that want to, you know, some uh, college money. But it is fun. Do we know when we're going back? Absolutely not. We got right. something from our company today. He said, I really don't know. They have services at the port all over the world. And they just said, we, we just don't know yet. Wow. We just don't. And it's it's sad, but, you know, we had um, a May cruise. It got canceled. It was on Virgin Voyages. Scarlet Lady. Oh, the new oh, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then we had one. We originally booked one last year for September, uh, and then we saw a cheap one for May. A uh, quick story. We said, book that one. So we grabbed that one. That got canceled. Then we shifted it, said, okay, we'll just use it for September. So we upgraded to a balcony. They gave us 200%. So we upgraded to an XL balcony, and then September got canceled. Now we're scheduled for October the 16th. If it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, we had a group cruise going out of April that got that got canceled. Um, Alaska, you know, Alaska went down the tubes too. So yeah, yeah. But we have one for October. Constellation celebrities coming to Tampa. I think it is. We're yeah, we're excited. 
<laughs> hopefully. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, Pam's going, Pam and I are going in it in October, and then the Enchanted Princess. It's supposed to be on time. It's going to skip the uh, to the trans I mean, the med, med and all that stuff. It's supposed to be coming right over. So Crystal and Pam are booked on that. So if it goes, it goes. I mean, so many people, so many pages, uh, all the websites. It's I'm heartbroken. We're not going to go, guys. You know, we want to be safe. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, it's protocols are different. Got to be safe so we can cruise in the future. Absolutely. And I think, you know, <laughs> just one thing was, uh, we sailed on the last Paradise cruise, the very last one. While oh. we were on board, we got a message and said, hey, don't come to work tomorrow because they're <laughs> stopping the cruises. They shut us down. We were, yeah, we were on one of the last, if not the last brilliance yeah, there's maybe, maybe one, one or two after yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. We just all just missed that window. It was just really weird getting off that ship knowing nobody was gonna get back on. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it was just really strange. So it was like, wow. And but what they did is is they had a guy, um uh they had a guy at the ice cream machine all the time. They, actually we met a guy there. They were constantly sanitizing everything. Uh no more self serving at the Lido buffet. They served you. Uh, I mean, they really had their act together. We met some people on board. We've been in contact with them. Casey uh, Ong is finally getting back to the Philippines uh, right now. Wow. And she wow. Left, yeah. <laughs> She's been on the Paradise for months. Try, even just trying. Well, she went from the Paradise to transfer to the Dream. So uh, we had other friends that they transferred to the Ecstasy or the Elation. They were headed to India. So yeah, know. I heard there's a big uh, drop off at India recently, right? There. Yeah, right now somebody on um, one of my Facebook uh, one cruise center or something. Uh, but uh, what they did was they uh, said, "Hey, here's all the ships in Manila, and there's a Carnival Dreams over there. This one's over there. That one's over there." So you know, you got to look at it this way: if these ships are going to come back. Uh, people aren't even home yet, man. Right. Right. You know, and people, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, so-and-so's page said we're going to go. Well, good luck. I just don't <laughs> think we're there yet. I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got a cruise booked October 17th, but I'm very pessimistic. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to be I want to be optimistic because it is virgin, but then I'm going to be a pessimist and say, the way it's going right now, I just don't think. Yeah. Virgin's probably going to be in better shape because they've got one ship. Right. Uh, they have a state-of-the-art air cleaning system in there. They have a lot of stuff. There's no buffets. Right. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about that, but There's that's no a big advantage for, or, for this situation. Yeah. Like they were so, built for this. <laughs> yeah, and I said to Pam, I said, you know, this could fall right into their their hands. So, yeah. You know, it was really cool. So, but anyway, so that's what's you, going on. Yeah. So, so do you get any perks like working? Working at the port, like, do do you get like deals or? <laughs> uh, what it is is is, and this is just for carnival only. You have to put so many hours in a month, and then you have to uh, apply. You got to pick a date, okay, uh, or a couple dates, and then you turn the paperwork in. And what it is is basically, Matt, you're on standby, okay. Okay. And if the ship's full, you don't go. You bring your suitcase that morning, and if you don't go, you don't go. And if they got room, but you take where you know. If, if you got to uh, go in a bunk, that's it. You take what you got, you know. Huh. But that's the only one though. You don't get anything with royal, you know. You still have to pay port fees and taxes. Though. When people get on and say, oh, "I've got a free cruise to the casino," guess what? <laughs> no cruises to. You got to pay your port fees and taxes. <laughs> It's not totally free. It's like, oh, I got a free. No, you, no, they didn't pay everything. They just did. Uh, still, yeah. it's still, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, we had last year, we got two deals out of Carnival that uh, when they canceled Cuba, I mean, it was like, we went on two crew, two, five, six days, five nights. Each one of them was 400 and some dollars wow. for both of us. Oh, wow. And, That's and, awesome. <laughs> Drinks on us in the casino. Nice. And a hundred, yeah, and a hundred dollars onboard credit. And, yeah, for both of them. Well, Crystal one on one, I went in another one. So, because Crystal's, uh, you know, she's our daughter, uh, and uh, she's my snorkeling fiend. 
She, <laughs> she can't dive, but but she's she's a pro at snorkeling. She really is. I need to go work at the port. I know, right? I've thought about it. I've looked at jobs at the port before. <laughs> uh, but see, that, that the terminals, here's the other thing, too, when it says, oh, the CDC, those buildings are owned by what? The Port of Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. They, the, people think, you know, there's certain terminals. Yes, the cruise line owns it. But not in Tampa. But other terminals, <laughs> yeah, but not in Tampa. So if the, if the Port of Tampa says, nope, can't go, you can't go, right. you're not going. We're not opening up your buildings. So that's where, you know, Kim brought up a good point with social distancing. You know, you guys see it. You're working, to, you know, you go outside and see people waiting in line. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, we don't know yet. And, and we might have to patrol out there. And I hate saying this, but we might have to patrol out there with a baseball bat. But people <laughs> don't listen. I right. mean, they just don't. I'm not oh, yeah. waiting in this line. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't think you see it at the aquarium, but, but, Oh, I, I've people just sometimes. Yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. We got, yeah, we got the dog over here making noise too. Yeah, at, <laughs> the, at the aquarium, for the most part, people have been pretty respectful. I've actually, to be honest, I've been surprised at at the overall respectfulness of of people just based on human nature. But when people are cruising, like that first day, they're even though they're going on a really fun vacation, there's always a certain amount of stress, especially for new cruisers and, and yes, stress and, and, and it overwhelms like them. Don't, like I said, yeah, <laughs> they get the shit. Well. What did I forget? Do I have everything? It's yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, and then they, uh, all I need is your boarding pass and, and you know, your, your ID. And then they have a folder with about three inches of paper in it. It's like, <laughs> I hear a printed this and said, I don't need all that. I need your boarding pass. That's me. I'm always, I'm always like, I've got more papers than what I need, but I've got them all. <laughs> so the if you need it. Too. You know, I, I'm just going to bring out a point to all the listeners when they hear this is, you know, when you book your cruise, whether you do it with a travel agent or however you book it online, whatever, read your contract. When you book that cruise online, it says, do you accept the terms and conditions of this contract? Click, yes, we're going on a cruise. <laughs> Guess what? You didn't read the terms and conditions of your contract. Right. Take the time to read them. Because most of the time when you click on that, you signed your life away. Because yeah. people come back with, you know, that I, nope, you know, because Norwegian does it, Carnival does it, Royal does it. You know, it's like, hey, it's in a contract. Yeah, but yeah, but nobody told me. Yeah, no, you accepted the terms and conditions. <laughs> they have actually waved that in front of people and said, you agreed to them. Too bad. It's, it's awful. But yeah. it, it is what it is. I mean, trust me, we try at each terminal. If there's documentations goofed up or it's wrong, there's actually, it's not us. Each cruise line has a guest services representative come off the ship. There, that person is the one that determines thumbs up or thumbs down. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's not the, you know, Kimber said I could cheat him. I'm mad at you. It's like, it's like, it's not hers. We, it, it goes down to, they're the judge and jury. Okay. Let's say, yeah, we're good. Here, we'll take this. We've had people fax stuff. We've had use. They, they try to work with you. They really do. But then sometimes it's just, it's heart wrenching. And that's why I say, make sure you have it. Make sure your passport. We had a lady show up at Norwegian with an expired passport. And it's a passport cruise. Guess what? She couldn't go. Mm-mm. She could mm. not go. Make sure your passport's good. Make, you know, it's just an, and each cruise line's documentation requirements are different. You I know, know there's been several times when I've left work at like four thirty five o'clock, and I see people sitting at the cruise terminal with uh with suitcases, and I'm thinking, are they here from this morning and they haven't got picked up, or did they just not get on the ship? So. Yeah. It's, I'm thinking some, most of those probably just didn't make it on the ship or whatever. Yeah. Reason. That's, that's, that's gotta be the, that's gotta be a it, huge bummer. It, it's, it's, I, your heart goes out to people. A lot of times we'd be leaving work and make a long story short. We'd be seeing people sitting over there in the corner, tears. I mean, you know, it, it tugs at the hearts things. It's like, you know, it, it, and you know, they try, uh, they really, really try. It is what it is, but yeah. Uh, 
you know, it's it's uh, it, it's enjoyable on the most part. But you know, with this new whatever's going to happen, well, some of the fun might be out of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it is, uh, it's uh, when we get there, we get there when we know we know. I mean, right. everybody, you know, puts videos out there. This is what's going to happen. And, you know, every day this one comes out, this is what's going to happen. You know, really, <laughs> really nobody knows yet until that right. first script goes. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's, I, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I, I try not to make any predictions because I don't, there's plenty of predictions, like you said, out there. But I was thinking about the other day, we were driving to work and I'm like, man, the, the first time I go back to work and there's a cruise ship back at the port, it's, I'm probably going to get tears in my eyes. Like, it's going to be such a good thing yeah. to see. I can't wait for yeah. that day to get here. So because there's, it'll be. Yeah, I, I think here, Terminal 3 should be okay, but it's pretty big. Terminal 2, there's probably going to be, uh, it's just not set up right inside, outside, and everything else. Terminal 3's got more room outside. Uh, Terminal 6, which is the north one, uh, that's not too bad, but Terminal 3 is the best one. That one's probably going to be the most well-behaved because we can space people out. We can social distance them. Uh, we, we just don't know what the protocols are going to be. I mean, because we were doing – excuse me um, – the uh, I didn't touch your documents, uh, Matt. Can I see your passport? Can I see your boarding pass? You hold them, you show them to me. I got a tablet, okay? You're good to go. Bye, you know. And there's going to be more electronic stuff, right? Right, I can see. I mean, uh, I can, yeah, I mean, ahead. there's there's going to be some good stuff that comes out of this in the long Absolutely. run. I mean, we're seeing that, you know, at, at the aquarium and other things too, where you know, the um, what is the what is the uh, phrase. Um, something is the mother of invention. I can't think of the necessity. Yes, necessity is the mother of invention, and that's what yeah. we've got. So there's going to yeah. be technology that's going to be perfected, invented. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, some of them are already there. You yeah. know, Royal. I think I don't know if it was in the Brilliance of the Rhapsody. We were already using tablets to check the in outside. I, you know, you just show me, uh, Alan. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. Inside. Uh, did you do your check? The whole thing is getting your stuff done ahead of time if you can yes. uh, because some people are comp we have older people sailing they're, com sure. they're computer challenged so you know that's where uh, you know certain stuff is it's you got to be a little bit more patient because I don't know we have a friend he's not a computer right you got a smartphone you can't do everything on a smartphone so we help with that but but uh, you know Royal had it uh, uh, Cornwall has a tablet uh, you know you sell carnival, you show me your boarding pass and they shoot the thing and it goes, boop, okay, welcome aboard, there you go. That same tablet does a multitude of jobs. Uh, Norwegian's not there yet, I don't know if they're ever going to get there. <laughs> Princess, I know you haven't sailed Princess yet, if it's an ocean medallion, uh, you fill everything out, you do everything with your smartphone. Yeah. Take your security picture, scan your passport, do all that, you go up there, you get a medallion, you wear it, you go up, they look at it, go, boop, there's Matt's picture, welcome aboard, boom, there you go. That's the future. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So. All right, well, listen, the other reason that we had you on, Richard, is because uh, besides cruising, we have something else in common with you, and that is a love of scuba diving, and our listeners know that I, we're kind of the, I think we're the kind of the scuba diving cruise podcast. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we, we spend a lot of time on it because it's, it's near and dear to, to us. So, and you have a lot of experience scuba diving and you're like, Hey, I got all kinds of stories and just, so t tell us, tell us, first of all, you said you've been diving for how long? My certification card is 50 years old this year. Now That's I've, I've laid back quite a bit. Uh, I did have a little bit of an ear issue, which, uh, but I, I still carry my C card. Uh, now I have actually, my original card was years ago, and I'll just take you back. I was a senior in high school, so that's telling you how old I am. Uh, <laughs> I just turned 68. But anyway, we did it on a dare. And uh, in our area, Allentown, PA, the YMCA was the certifying body. We had a doctor that he actually uh, later on helped with uh, the formation of the uh, Dan system. Oh, yeah. 
That's huh. a, for those for the non divers out there. Dan is the it's kind of the safety organization that oversees scuba diving, so it's a big deal. Yeah, Doctor cool. Doctor Stoltz was uh, uh, for um, he set that uh, pace in our era for hyperbaric medicine, nice. oxygen saturation, which you know if you get the bends, well that's right. one of the things that they do. But Seal uh, Conley, uh, she was uh, there was like three or four of them that really were. You know, they were great divers, but when we started, I don't know what the requirements made me, Kimber, you can tell me when we we had to get a physical, number one, and then uh, the first night, we had a little bit of class time, we got our books and that stuff, and then we had to go swim in the pool. We had to swim a mile. Oh, wow. I don't, Yeah. They've, they've loosened those restrictions. Yeah, I had, to, I had to pass a swim. Well, I don't know if it was like a swim test, but I had to swim back and forth. I think it was 10 laps, but I don't have, it wasn't a mile. Yeah. We and had it was to, easy. We had to swim a mile. We had to do a uh, uh, stay floating in the water with no hands. I don't know if they still do that. Oh, no, I didn't have well, that. It was, it was either yeah, you float put your, yeah, no, no, oh, or no. Or tread you, water. No, you had to minutes. tread water, yes. but with your hands. Oh, I no. had that one. I had that one in the eighties. <laughs> I, I think it was, and and Matt, you're probably gonna laugh about it. Is uh, I take it almost to SEAL Team training when we got certified. <laughs> it was they ran us through the ringer. I, I don't know if they still. We did. Do you still have to do a Dolphin Don, where you take all your equipment off at the bottom of the pool? Yep, still had to do Put that. It, yeah, you still, there's some stuff we had. A I thing didn't like that. They, they, <laughs> nobody does because everybody sucks. Everybody sucks the, the half the pool up their nose. Yeah. Because because you have to learn to breathe from your diaphragm. Right. And get over it. You know, you just got to get over it. Uh, and and you can't be claustrophobic. But and then they they did a thing. I don't know. If, and you guys probably didn't do a night dive yet, but they put covers over our masks that we couldn't see up, down, sideways. It was black. Oh, wow. oh. So, so, well, you gotta be, and you'll understand that. And, and, and what I want you to do when you take a camera to night dive, Matt, is while you have the light and all that stuff, turn it off. Yeah. You'll feel somebody pounding on you <laughs> and going, uh, uh, but uh, they did that for, uh, uh, that you know, uh, how to determine whether you're going up or down, which is basically right. simple. It's, Put your hand where you're exhausting your regulator. So yeah, the bubbles. Oh, yeah. 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 I started in 1970. I'll just date it. I'll go back. Uh, you guys, I don't, Matt, well, I know Kimber's not old enough, but there was a program on TV, and Jacques Cousteau was my hero. Yeah. But there was a program years ago on TV. You can watch it on Retro TV. It's called Sea Hunt. We've watched it, some, we, we watched we've a watched couple some reruns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> We watch a YouTuber um, yeah. who's up in Canada. He's uh, I, I can never Alec remember. Pierce. Alec Pierce, and he's he's an old timer diver. Yeah. All and, kinds uh, of retro stuff. He's he's a collector he's of, of the sea hunts. Because yeah, I forget where they shot some of that. Um, a lot of uh, it, I think, was in like Silver Springs or some of the. Yeah, springs yeah. I think some of it was, but but you go back as like you know you look at some of the equipment. It looks corny, but basically. Uh, I had a friend that actually had a double hose regulator. Oh, wow. And, we, and we had one of those at the aquarium, just not that it was used, but <laughs> it was but no, no, you, it's, it's like, oh, my God. It, 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 you had a really, you had to have good lungs, trust me. <laughs> uh, and, and then uh, I went from, and, and uh, my first regulator was U.S. Diver. Yep. It was a Calypso. And that was their first dual stage regulator. Okay, we did not have buoyancy compensators back then. Right. <laughs> now, the only one on TV that you saw was on Jacques Cousteau was a boy, Fenzi. Fenzi made a kind of like a horse collar. Yeah. But yeah. nobody, what we had back then is what you have under your seat in an airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little CO2 cartridge, little thing. <laughs> That's what we had. Took the regulator out of my mouth, blew a little air in it. Uh, and we evolved from that to... Uh, you know, I I just seen diving evolve from, you know, the two hose to uh, 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 you know, a double hose regulator, a two stage regulator, uh, from 
buoyancy competent. Now you got your jacket, you just which is cool. You know, you just throw your jacket on, everything's in it, your weights are in it, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, octopus, right, you know. Uh, I, my tank, it was a, a steel, yeah. and it had coating in it, and they actually had the coating was flaking, so they had to roll it and retest it and everything. But you had your J-valve. J right. You got that, and the pin went in, and it's like, uh-oh, all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh, I don't have much air left because, you know, somebody – just getting back to cruising. Uh, uh, just want to change the subject. Somebody on—I might have been on the Locust page. I'm going on a cruise. I want to learn how to. I want to get certified. Royal offers. Uh, I and everybody said no. You need to go with people, and you need to be around other people. It's too much in a week's time to really learn, and it is. Well, and, and even if even if it wasn't my my thing with that, because I've talked with John Klaikowski about that quite a bit and my my part my problem with that i think is that do you want to spend your cruise learning to dive like do you want to take yeah. that time like learn to dive first and then go they dive go on, on the cruise it. that's yeah but but i know i know for some people i've talked to who live in places where there's no dive shops getting scuba certified is mm -hmm. outrageously expensive and so it's actually becomes affordable to do it through like real caribbean which you would think would be the most expensive way, but it's not compared to people who live in these areas yeah, where there's I mean, just no access to dive shops. But take a little mini vacation or something. Yeah, get, get certified. Come, you know, come spend a week or two down in Florida. I mean, it, it's just a lot. And and you're right. I mean, this person was from Kansas. I don't think Kansas has any dive shops. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Missouri uh, did. So we had two I mean, when I was growing up. That was it. I mean, we had. Well, going way back. I, I don't even know if we have any in the Lehigh Valley anymore, but but I'll get onto that. But because because basically what we did is I, I just started, uh, you know, I had uh, got certified, and a friend of mine, he he, him and I dove. Uh, we did a lot of quarry diving up at PA. Yeah. Uh, uh, at that time, what happened then as I got married, uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, ooh. If you look on Google, there's a place called Dutch Springs. It's an old cement quarry up in uh, Pennsylvania. That's where Lehigh Portland cement came from that area. But anyway, a uh, friend of ours, a uh, friend of mine, actually, her and her husband bought it. And it, it, it evolved into a dive park. Hmm. They, they have an area. They have a school bus. There's a lot of old equipment. Went to call, uh, I did a bunch of dives there. It's fresh water. It's about well, probably about 110 feet deep at the deepest point. Okay. It's very cold. It's yeah. spring fed. <laughs> and and in spring the, fed, not Florida spring fed, but Pennsylvania yeah, it's, spring it's, it's <laughs> PA different. spring fed. It's cold. So, you know, your little rash guard suits uh, aren't going to cut it up there. No. And, I mean, uh, evolving. Masks have evolved. My first one was, well, this goes back as, do you know AMF Voight used to make diving equipment? I think I've seen that printed. I had before. A, yeah, I had a wetsuit and camera. You know, you guys can get it, take your wetsuit and just boom, boom on and off. The old ones, baby powder, talcum powder. <laughs> uh, you know, and it wasn't too bad putting it on, but when it got wet and trying to get it off, uh, you hope to God you had a friend there that could help you get out of it. Uh, you know, now they're all, you know, the last one I had was all had like pile lining in it. Uh, you know, it was really, it just, yeah. yeah, it was stretchy. Uh, actually mine, it was a Canadian company and this goes back quite a few years, but actually the zipper went diagonally. It was, okay. it was pretty cool, but, but you know, I could peel that thing off in about 30 seconds because, because <laughs> I had a farmer, John too. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I'm used to cold water diving. Where have I dove? Let's see. Bunch of quarry dives. I belonged to a dive club up over the years. Uh, but basically, we did a lot of quarry diving up there, a lot of lake diving. I was called upon with the police department occasionally since they didn't have a dive unit uh, to do recovery dives. Oh. Uh, not fun. No, no, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, we found a young man. He was, uh, they were playing around in the quarries and, and he, his foot got stuck and he drowned and that's where we found him. Oh, his, man. Uh, yeah. And he was just low enough that the water was cool enough that, that you know, when the, 
when it's warm, stuff expands. Right, right. So it was, it was just, that's something you, you don't sleep good that night. Trust I me. bet, yeah. I but bet. we did, I did a lot of wreck diving off the Jersey coast. Okay. Okay. If you go look at your wreck maps, there's, uh, there's uh, tugboats, there's old freighters, there's old, you know, steam engine type things. Now, most of them are picked clean. Most of the early 1800 ones, uh, there's basically just a little bit of wood there left. But, you know, there's, there's some, uh, there's just a whole bunch of them. There's a, uh, a World War One ocean-going tugboat, the Great Isaac. It sank. It sank straight down. It went straight down. Boom. And that's how it sits on the bottom. Hmm. Picked clean. Probably the coolest dive I was ever on. Very risky. It's a Texas tower. If you look it up on Google, a Texas tower was an Air Force observation platform that was put out at sea on three legs. And the first ones were out in Texas. They had one out in uh, off the coast of Jersey. And what it sat, it sat on three legs. The Jersey one wasn't that stable. And uh, a hurricane came through. And what happened was it wiped it out. But basically, it was a triangular in shape helicopter pad on it. It had radar domes on it. It was basically like an early warning system for, you okay. know, this was back in the 50s and 60s. It collapsed. So basically, uh, the thing's laying on its side in the water. It's, uh, it took us about 10 hours to get out there. It's out pretty far, but not before the Baltimore Canyon, because that's where the depths really go. Boom. Right. It's basically uh, off, off the Jersey, I don't know how far it is. Uh, you know, the depth is pretty constant for quite a while. Then it just goes boom, and right. it just drops <laughs> off. Uh, but the uppermost point was in 90 feet. The lowermost point was in 220 feet. Wow. So, and yes, but this this was a decompression dive. Yeah. Dual, dual tanks. Now, this was back in the 80s. So, but, you know, this was a decompression dive because our bottom time would have been about Five 30 minutes. seconds, yeah. <laughs> 30 seconds, you know, and that's starting from the top. See, right. you know, and just like we were talking, that's why you have to go to class. Right. Scuba Everybody. diving safe, but there are some things that'll kill you if you don't know them and you've got to know those yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had a young lady, uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll finish that story. But anyway, that was, uh, it was really a cool dive. It was loaded. You had to be very careful. It was dark. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you had to watch because there's a lot of nets hung up on it and everything. So it's really interesting. Uh, that was probably the deepest I ever went. Uh, we were all marked up when we came back up. Because what happens when you go deep, Kimber will find out about this. When you go deep, stuff starts to squeeze on you. And you'll have a nice mark on your face. <laughs> and where and where your, your wrists in your suit, they'll squeeze in. You'll have marks on your wrists. You'll have marks on your neck. You'll have marks on your feet. Because, you know, it's just like you learned in class, you know, it's, it's it, for each atmosphere you go down, you know, 33 feet, 14.7 and 28. And it start, you know, you got, you go down 220 some feet. Uh, you got what? Squeeze. What? Yeah. yeah. You got about, you know, what is it? 14 points. You got about 90 pounds per square inch pushing on you. <laughs> and, uh, and saying that is, if you put air in at that depth, I was diving with a girl, not there, but we were down about 90 feet in the quarry. And as she was coming up, she put some air in her, her jacket. Oh, no. To, to, yeah. And as she was Rocket. coming up, <laughs> well, I, I actually was hanging on to her fin. She was beating me. And it's like I actually clawed my way up her leg and she was pounding <laughs> on me. And I reached and I, I grabbed her, her hose yeah. and dumped the air out. Yeah. And then we started sinking back down and her eyes were real big. And I took the grease board and wrote, I said, just watch me. And then I, and then I, I explained it to her quickly. Right. That, you know, because she just had started because, you know, it's, that's where, like you said, physics play a part in dry and oh, diving. Yeah. And yeah. And the medical part. A lot of people yeah. think like, you know, you know, there's people on the internet or whatever. Chris, oh, I'm just going to slap tanks on and go. <laughs> uh, trust me, you can uh, sustain the blow out your ear. Yeah, I have actually, I've had some damage from diving. Uh, uh, my, my, I'm, I, literally, I'm, I'm, I'm deaf in my left ear. So, you know, and it wasn't going too deep or anything. Something just let go. So, 
You know, you have to be careful. Don't die with a cold, congestion. You know, yeah. tell people, don't, 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 don't. You're pushing it. But, you know, your, your gear, get your own regulator. If you can afford anything, get your own regulator and get your own mask. Everything else you can rent. Yeah. You know, because my regulator, that's your life. Right. You know. Right. So, yeah, we just, so. well, I, I've, I've been certified for a long time, but uh, after Kimber got certified, we finally went out and for the first time I bought my own gear. I've always had mask fins snorkel, but I've never had a BC vest. I've never had a um, regulator. I've, we didn't get tanks, but we got everything else that, that we needed. Uh, computer. I never had a dive computer. So, and it's, yeah, see now that's going nice. back. I had an air gauge. <laughs> I had an air gauge. There was no, I had the, I had an air gauge. I had a compass and then I had a pressure gauge in a console. Yeah. The, the air gauge the air gauge actually came off and then I forgot what company made it. Then you put your gear in and it was like three in a row, but like you yeah. said, now they have a diet computer, you know. But you still gotta need you know, your 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 I I'm I'm sure they still use them is your US Navy tables. No decompression limit. You, you know what's those? you know what's interesting is because when I got certified, um and when I did my advance, like we had to, we had to know all the math. We had to do all that stuff. I don't think they make them do that anymore. Did you have to do dive tables? No. So actually, so here's how quickly it's changing. So when I was in college, which wasn't that long ago, um, I actually did a, a certificate dive certification um, course, which I never completed due to the last dive. Anyways, long story. Um, but I never got certified after that. And we had to learn dive tables there. When I just got certified, I learned nothing about dive table tables. All, computer. all they talked about was watch your computer, watch your computer. So yeah, I don't know. With that honest now, does your computer tell you now, Matt, tell me if I'm wrong. We're going to all three go diving. We're going to go get on the boat, go out, make a dive. Okay. And it's 60, 70 feet, you know, and we're going to spend X amount of time down there. Does your computer tell you how long you have to stay out before you go on your next dive? It does. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's what? crazy. Like it does everything for you. When when she got certified, I was like, "You don't need a dive computer. Just use the tables." And uh, and then I got like a lot of feedback from like her dive instructor and stuff. I was like, "No, no, no, no." So dive dive computers are so sophisticated now that they can tell you. Not only can they figure out like. What your what your surface time needs to be? They assess for like days of diving, and the but the real magic of them is that like you know when it, what the way it used to be if you were going to go on a dive and let's say it was eighty feet but you were going to be at twenty feet for a while and thirty feet for a while like you had to figure it out like you were going to be at eighty feet the whole time with the dive yeah. tables. Well, the dive computer does that. It's it's a little more conservative than the dive tables, but it's doing that math as you are actually at those depths. So you end up getting more bottom time wow. in a safer condition. Yeah. It's, yeah. It accounts how much, for all of it how, for you. How much are they though? They, well, that's, well, it that's, depends. Yeah. I mean, you can spend about probably I mean, two, 300 bucks would be the cheap a fine one. Yeah. Or, or you can do what we did and spend a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, but you know what? It's, it's an investment. Toy. Yeah, you know, it you're, is. You're in salt water. I, I, I hope to God you have a garbage can just strictly for rinsing your gear. Fresh water, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I told I was like, well, this I said, you're diving in salt water. When you get home, you rinse <laughs> your suit out. You rinse everything that you wore. You put in there and rinse it with fresh water. Rinse it, rinse it, rinse yeah. it. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, salt water will eat stuff up. I mean. I was going to say, if you take care of your dive gear, it'll last for a long time. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, even, even my tank, I had that until I finally sold it and it moved. But, uh, you know, my tank, uh, it, it, it kept passing hydro. It had to get hydro every what was it, five years or something like that. They hydro it, it's good to go. But, you know, now they've got the aluminum tank. You know, I always had a fit if I went anywhere and there was a tank standing up. I would go absolutely insane. Because <laughs> a tank... They showed us uh, 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 an example. They had some pictures where the tank fell over, the neck broke off, and it went for about three city blocks in the air. Wow. I, I had that happen on a, a dive boat way back when the tank fell over on the dive boat and uh, the, the valve popped off and then you heard just like, bam! And I don't know where it hit the boat and then the, you just heard the pressure. But that was, it wasn't like Jaws, it didn't explode. 
because it's yeah. just compressed air, but but it was oh, yeah. definitely gonna like done some damage <laughs> to your ankle or something like that. So tell so tell me, okay, so that was your you said that was probably the most interesting dive you had, but you've dove a lot of places and we're obviously creature people. What are what are some of the coolest creatures you've seen while scuba diving? I saw I went to Club Med back in eighty or eighty one and we were doing that was part of the package you could dive at the resort and uh, we were using European gear, but I forget, Sparrow Technique or whatever it was. But anyway, make a long story short, we were swimming along the bottom and I saw this big shadow. Now the Club Med was on the Pacific side and I looked up and there was a manta ray oh. above us. And it's just, I, I tapped my, my dive partner and I, I went like this and we just kind of rolled over and just kind of floated there a little bit. And it was, that was probably the most majestic thing I've ever seen. That's awesome. But, you know, the last couple of years, I had to switch over to snorkeling. So, but, you know, I kept my sea card active. Pam and I actually did an introduction to scuba so she could try it. Patty runs it on Carnival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did it at, uh, what is it? Morgan's Bay, Megan's Bay, over in St. Thomas. Okay. She did pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, her mask was leaking. So oh, when, yeah. yeah, so it was like... Bring your own mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always tell people, they, they ask me about snorkeling gear a lot, and I say, look, you can go cheap on the fins, you can go really cheap on the snorkel, do not skip skimp on the mask. Get a good mask, and if you're yeah. even if you're just a casual snorkeler going on cruises, well, buy your own mask and take it with you. I used to have a mustache. Now, yeah. how did I... <laughs> How did I get a good seal? Did you use Vaseline? Yes, sir. Yep. That was an old diver's trick. Yep. They said, yep. you know, it's like just put Vaseline on your mustache. Made a mess out of your mask. But but anyway, it's like <laughs> that's how I used to get a good seal. It's just, you know, there's there's some tricks that are tried and true yeah. that just don't change. Well, I don't know about the spit in the mask because mine always bogged up anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, that that's something that, uh, you know, it's uh, because – Full face mask, you know, you see it a lot, you know, do what you're happy with. But, you know, people think you're going to be Jacques Cousteau with the full face mask. No. Can't really go underwater with those very well. You can't. <laughs> you know, I tell people, you can't. Well, what Physics. if I want to do? I said, no, they're, they're just no good. You got to go like Matt, you know, he likes this type of snorkel. I like this type of snorkel. Yeah. You know, when we first started, it was a piece of rubber tubing with two bite marks in it. You know, that was That's- it. That's about what I've got now. That's like what I like. I've got a real flex snorkel and Kimber actually. I just, just bought, bought one, one and it's a it, lot It better. stays out of my way. It's a simple tube. It does the job. It doesn't, don't need any bells and whistles. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it's really, you know, diving is a great hobby. If you're physically fit to do it, you know, I push people, go do it. You know, it's a great hobby. I mean, it, it's, it can get expensive. Yeah. You know that or all yeah. you finally know that. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, it's a case of where uh, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I really did. And it's, it's, oh, I don't know, Kimber, tell me if I'm wrong or not. When I was diving, there was just serenity under the water, uh, just your bubbles. It was just, you get, you get a natural high doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you get to explore. There's so much untapped area under the water. And there's history under the water. I mean, think about it. When you dive on the wreck, that it's like, wow, this thing's been down for blah, blah years. I mean, just the historical aspect of diving. Well, listen, thank you, Richard, so much for coming on. It's been awesome talking to you. It's it's really cool hearing all the stories and talking scuba diving, of course, and but also the cruise stuff. So thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. We'll have to have you on here again sometime. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I mean, I really enjoyed this. Uh, you know, like I said, or we do have a YouTube channel. I'm going to advertise it. I hate doing yeah. it. But, but, but yeah, we'll it. link it in the uh, description. Vacation Adventures with Rich and Pam. I just started it. We also have a Facebook page. You know, subscribe if you like. I'm going to put more stuff in there. But um, guys, thank you so much. All right. Well, that was a fun interview talking to Richard about scuba diving and uh, working at the port. Yeah, he's made me really want to like consider working at the per- port again. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think it's like a part-time gig, though. I don't think it's like a, I mean, full-time kind of yeah. sustainable thing. Yeah, it's I a mean, good retire. What, like you said, it's a good retiree job. What or, he does, yes, but there's other port jobs. Oh, something that's more important. 
Yes, <laughs> Matt. And again, we will uh, link his YouTube channel, their YouTube channel, I should say, Vacation Adventures with Pam and Rich, and their Facebook group as well. So go check them out. They've got some some uh, videos from cruising and also some food stuff over there. Mm. So it'll probably make you hungry. I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how'd you like to have some delicious, tasty sea urchin for lunch today? Um, no, thank you. I hear they're a hit in the Mediterranean, in certain parts of like the Middle East. I think they just eat them like raw on the beach. That doesn't sound like my mom. My mom had it, I think, in California. Yeah, she had it at a fancy restaurant. Yeah, it was like a super fancy restaurant. I, I've never met anyone personally that said it wasn't anything but disgusting. But, uh, you know, apparently there are people that think it's a delicacy. So I don't know. But that's anyway, that's going to be the cruise creature for today is going to be the sea urchin, not just any sea urchin, because there's a lot. And uh, we'll probably do cruise creatures with specific other species. But I really want to focus on like one or two today, mostly because the dive that we did a, a few weeks back now. It seems like forever ago, doesn't it? It does. We saw a bunch of these sea urchins. We actually saw a couple species then, too. But I want to focus on the ones called variegated sea urchins. And if you are in this part of Florida on the West Coast and you see one, you'll know them because they have short spines, like a lot shorter than other sea urchins. And they're usually like this kind of purplish pink color. They're really pretty, actually. Yeah, they were really cool. But that species is more than just in this part of Florida and in other parts of its range, it can be white or even green. So I don't, I don't know. There's, there's another species similar to it that is called the West Indian sea egg. And it is the ones I've seen have been white, but they're in between the spines is like dark, like black or, or dark purpley color. So they're, but they're very similar. So I kind of wanted to cover both of those species today because they are so close looking and i think that if you're in florida there's a good chance that you could see a variegated urchin and if you're in the caribbean you could see one of those but you could also see one of these sea eggs and uh and and most of the time when people think of sea urchins they're like oh sharp spiny thing don't step on it because ow right there are even some that have some properties that can make those spines more painful you definitely don't want to uh, land on a, a super spiny sea urchin because that would ruin your day, unless you're really weird. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who that would be. But it, not not me. Not weird like me. But anyway, uh, moving on. So sea urchins come in different shapes and sizes and obviously colors, but their their spines are the big thing. So depending on what kind of spines you have will determine how you protect yourself if you're a sea urchin. So there's pencil urchins, which have thick spines and wedge themselves into rocks. And there are spiny sea urchins, uh, sea urchins, and there's a bunch of different ones of these that have long, sharp spines. That, that, that in and of itself is the deterrent. You know, do you want to eat something that is basically sharp and pokey? Probably not, unless you have ways to get around that adaptation. But the sea egg and the variegated urchin their spines aren't that sharp, and they're not big and thick, so they can't really wedge themselves in very well. Instead, they rely on another method of protection, and that protection is basically picking stuff up and covering themselves in it, which is pretty tricky because they don't have any arms or anything, right? The one that we had that we saw, one of them that we saw, we saw at least two when we were diving, um, it was covered in debris, like seashells, and that's usually what you'll find them. You'll just see this little sort of sphere of debris sitting off the bottom or whatever it's on. And you're like, huh, that's kind of weird looking. But I guess to a fish, they're like, huh, that's just normal. So they just swim right on by. But actually there's a sea urchin hiding underneath there. Now, here's how, here's what they do. Sea urchins have spines, but they don't just have spines. They also have these little tentacle things with little claws on them called pedicellaria. There's your science word for the day, pedicellaria. And, and these sometimes are hard to even see, but they use them to, to grip onto things. So if you look at one of these sea urchins carefully, they're actually picking up this debris with their pedicellaria and they're just holding it on top of themselves. Now, if you, if you gently pick one of these sea urchins up and you hold it for a minute, it will hold on to you. And you can actually turn your hand upside down 
and it'll stay attached with its pedicel area. Just be aware that if you do that, when you remove the sea urchin from yourself, uh, don't just rip it off because you might rip its poor little pedicel area off with it. So you got to kind of be gentle and let it sort of let go. And then you can set it gently back on the bottom and let it go about its business doing its sea urchin type things. You're, <laughs> you're very quiet over there. I, I'm just, real, I, as you're talking about it, I'm just envisioning what we saw. It was just really cool. Like I didn't even know it was there until you picked it up. Yeah. And, and I was looking for them because I kind of thought we would see them because we saw all the other urchins and, and uh, I see a lot of these variegated urchins in that kind of environment. So I was hopeful and it ended up being something that we were able to encounter. Now, here's the other thing about sea urchins. They're in the, uh, they're in the phylum Echinodermata, which I always, whenever I do Echinodermata, I always have to sing the song. Do you know the Echinodermata song? Echinodermata. There you go. It's like we've talked about Echinodermatas before. Echinoderms. <laughs> Echinodermata, Echinoderms. So they're Echinoderms. In the co- anyway. Uh, yeah, so they, uh, they what they have in common with other Echinoderms. Do you know what the other Echinoderms are, by the way? Um, sea star? Yeah, sea star, starfish. We can call them starfish. We're not Can't, am I allowed to call them starfish here? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, if you don't know that a starfish isn't a fish, you got more biology you need to absorb than just going by a name change. But anyway, uh, yeah, starfish are in that group and uh, also sand Sand dollars, dollars. which are technically really just sea urchins. And we also, we've seen another echinoderm when we were diving in Grand Cayman, we saw one of these. We saw... It was called donkey dung. Oh, the sea cucumber. Yeah. What a terrible name. What's your species name? Oh, they call me donkey dung. Nice. But that's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> it did so look like that. Sea cucumbers are also echinoderms. But basically this means spiny skin. That's what echinoderm means in, in Latin. And uh, and these animals all have spiky skin, skins. Uh, maybe sea urchins are the spikiest skin of them all. But, uh, but they all have it. They also have um, usually radial symmetry, which means they're sort of round animals. Their mouths are... Uh, in the in most cases, the sea cucumber is kind of weird. They're kind of on their side. But for sea urchins and starfish, they have their mouth on the bottom of their body right in the middle. And sea urchins, for the most part, all of them that I know of, there could be an exception out there, but they are herbivores. So they're usually eating seagrasses and plants. They can be really important for cleaning algae off of rocks, for coral. They can also be very devastating depending on the species and where they're at to seagrass beds and stuff. So you got to have a, a good balance. We talked about this a little bit last week with the sea otter, actually. We talked about sea urchin populations booming and eating the kelp, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I also just read an article in that diver magazine that we got about purple sea urchins doing that. Yeah. So everything has to be in balance. You know, you got to have your sea urchins in the right areas, but you can't have too many, but you can't have too little. That's how ecosystems work. And if it's out of balance, things change. And sometimes that change just adapts to a new thing and species disappear. Um, Other times it doesn't adapt and that whole environment or ecosystem can collapse. So uh, it can be really dramatic depending on the, on the situation, but yeah. And, and um, let's see, what else do we want to say about sea urchins? Anything else you want to say about sea urchins? I think they're really cool. And that's funny because I didn't think before that they were really cool. And then I started seeing them and now they're really cool. You didn't think sea urchins were really cool? I mean, they were fine. I just thought them as like pokey, creepy things. And now I know more about pokey, them. Pokey, creepy things. Really? Creepy? Sea urchins are well, not creepy? Things that can hurt you are creepy. Like they're really sharp. Like I okay. was always afraid I'd step on one or they'd hurt me. Okay. But now yeah. I don't think that. Do you find I mean... Legos creepy? Because if you step on those, they hurt you. <laughs> no. <laughs> how about a Lego but sea now, urchin? <laughs> but now that's how I'm going to see Legos. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, there's one more thing I wanted to get into with sea urchins. And you know this because you were teaching your mother this when, when they were down here. You're teaching this to her about sea urchins. Is it about their test? Yeah. Tell everybody about the test of the sea urchin. Um, so when the sea urchin dies, all of its spines fall off, and then it's just kind of like a white kind of shell thing. Yeah, it's not it's not made out of the same stuff as no. seashells. In fact, it's very fra- fragile. 
Uh, and if you find like a, a sand dollar that's not alive, it's also called the test. Because again, it's just a sea urchin, just a flat sea urchin. But it, it is their, it's their version of a skeletal system. Um, but it's just not made out of bone. I don't, I don't, I always, I'm always want to be careful when I say skeletal system and I'm talking about an invertebrate that people know that it's not a bony skeleton. In this case, it's the test. And so that's the, the hard structure that gives the sea urchin its, its basic shape. Cool. I knew something. You know lots of things. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, that was a good episode, but I think it's time to wrap things up. You're not going to say head for the horizon, are you? I was going to say it, <laughs> but I thought about it. Yeah. I'm going to say it because still it's booked. It it's is not booked? canceled. We haven't moved it, although we've thought about it. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not happening. Maybe we'll just reschedule at a different time on the horizon. So it's time to head for the horizon eventually. <laughs> and until next time, seize the day. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Well, if you are still there, there's a decent chance you're a Patreon member. And so thank you to you, Patreon. You are getting these cool artwork pieces. And I did the seahorses last month. This month we have finished the, well, actually we finished the postcard. I'm holding them in my hands now, all of them, and uh, using the new print and then color them in with Copics. Actually, one of you is going to get colored pencil. A colored pencil version one of you is going to get partial watercolor version and then the others are copic markers but i think they all came out really good i'm pretty happy with them so so you got a little adventurous with your i did yeah stuff yeah makes it a lot easier when i can just do one focus on one drawing and then just you know coloring in the same one and stuff then i just have to figure out you know I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite this time. I, there's little things I like about all of them. I haven't seen them. Yeah. Well, I that's not true. I saw them. I haven't studied them closely yeah. and their differences. Because while you were working on those, I was doing some online training. Right, right.